exactly does the same group of singers find themselves in the underdog position again and again after winning multiple championships? Find out with us in today's episode, Pitch Perfect, Pitch Perfect 2, and you guessed it, Pitch Perfect 3. Let's go get it on. Zone on. Yes, I'm in the zone. Is it two, three? Leave a good tip. I'ma blow up all my money and don't give me money. everyone. Welcome to another episode of Movie Deja Vu, a podcast that answers the question, didn't I see this somewhere from two movie aficionados? I think I used this before, but I'm going to use it again. I'm your soprano, Shady. With me, as always, is bass John. Hello. <laughs> and today we have a very special guest, uh, beatboxer Nick Bombasino. <laughs> So, Nick, you've been with us before, but hi, welcome back. Hello again. And as an apology for not having him come on when we first did Pitch Perfect, we're like, let's do the franchise. Yeah, because, Nick, you have like a history with acapella, correct? I do. Um, That was what I spent a good majority of my college time doing. So yeah, this 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 uh, movie is 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 very real. I was gonna say, unless we forget his YouTube page. Well, I mean that yes, uh, it's true, and that's sort of where that came from, actually. But we, like that was sort of when I was doing acapella, it was like a little bit before the whole mashup thing. It was sort of at the at the start of that, and then I did my. We've talked about it before, but I'm mentioning it again. Um, I did a bunch of mashups for a long time. Basically, me making mini acapella arrangements of myself, doing the nerdy things that you see in these movies. Um, but it was, you know, like three or four years before these movies came out. So, you know, like in a very hipster thing to say, I was doing it first. Um, <laughs> so suck it, it Becca. Yeah, suck it. You did it before. It was popular. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so wait, quick question. Who do you relate to more in these movies? Skylar Aston or Ben Platt? Oh, Becca. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, okay. definitely. He's, and I, I did a lot of musing on that. That was sexist of me to just like ask you which <laughs> of the boys you related to. It's true. Let's take down the patriarchy a yeah. little bit. Like take yeah. it a notch. Um, we got it. We yeah. got to tackle toxic masculinity. <laughs> you do, which these movies... Uh, do not do very well. Um, sometimes they do. Uh, I've heard it best described as like these movies are basically just bro humor, but this time it's girls doing it. Yeah, which it's true. That's which is fine. fine. I think there's yeah. a place for that. That's true. All right, so should we go ahead and break these three movies down? Let's do it. Aka right. Awesome. <laughs> In 2012, we get Pitch Perfect uh, with a screenplay by Kay Cannon based on the book by Mickey Rapkin. It was directed by Jason Moore. It's got an 80% fresh score on Rotten Tomatoes and on Metacritic, it has a 66 out of 100. And that is out of 33 reviews. 23 were positive, 10 were mixed, zero were negative. Oh, I I mean, we've done this movie before, so I should have known that. It's been so long, though. I know. It was almost a year ago. Jeez, it was almost a year ago. Uh, <laughs> that's a lot to process. And, <laughs> and according to IMDb, the summary is, 
Becca, a freshman at Barden University, is cajoled into joining the Bellas, her school's all-girls singing group. Injecting some much-needed energy into their repertoire, the Bellas take on their male rivals in a campus competition. I really appreciate the use of cajoled here. Too. Oh, right. That was the breakdown. Because I remember I was talking about it and we're like, not really, but yeah. <laughs> it's not inaccurate. Some of the words are wrong, but like the the meaning is right. Well, and you know, it's a little bit cajole is a little bit quicker than saying, you know, forced to in the shower. Like, you know, that's (laughs) which might get other people to watch it, but does shade your opinion of of what you're about to see. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then in 2015, we get Pitch Perfect 2. Once again, written by Kay Cannon, based on the book by Mickey Rapkin, uh, directed this time by Elizabeth Banks. Rotten Tomatoes score of 65%, a Metacritic score of 63 out of 100. And that is out of 39 reviews, 25 are positive, 12 are mixed, and two were negative. And the IMDb summary... After a humiliating command performance at the Kennedy Center, the Barden Bellas enter an international competition that no American group has ever won in order to regain their status and right to perform. Muffgate. (laughs) (laughs) I also like the choice of command there. I like to think that whoever wrote that was having a private chuckle to themselves, knowing the the wordplay on that. Yeah. But anyway. (laughs) and then in 2017 pitch perfect three closing out the trilogy once again written by Kay cannon but this time with help from mike white based on the book by mickey rapkin uh directed by trish c i hope i said that correctly rotten tomato score of 28 percent splat and a metacritic score of 40 out of 100 and that is out of 35 reviews Seven were positive, 15 were mixed, and 13 were negative. And the IMDb summary, following their win at the World Championship, the now separated Bellas reunite for one last singing competition at an overseas USO tour that face a group who uses both instruments and voices. Okay. Like like a traditional band. Is that what they want to say? Yes. A band. It's a band. A a band. Yeah. Also like several bands, not just the one. Right. It's not just the one group. (laughs) But I guess we're only counting Ruby Rose. As most people (laughs) do. Um, Yeah. So where should we start this conversation? (laughs) Because obviously they're the same franchise. Uh, Yeah. I mean, the, the... They each have a competition in it of some sort. Yeah. In each one, they are somehow downgraded to the underdog. The same group is downgraded to the underdog, despite, at least in the sequels, having just won a competition. Right. (laughs) Yeah, because in the second one, they win the ICCAs for like three years in a row. And then all of a sudden that muffgate happens and they're just like smacked down to underdogs yeah there's some like to some level it's also because oh no american group has done it before 
which feels like it shouldn't be that big a deal because no, in the first movie, no all girl group had one before and they still did it. They were still the first ones to do it. So like, it feels like that shouldn't be seen as so much of an obstacle for them. They're already barrier breakers. It's true. I just love that in each movie, there's a riff off. Oh, the riff off is the best scene in each one. Because the, well, okay. So the first one you watch it and they don't really like give you all the rules because that is some bullshit on why they lost. <laughs> well, is. they also made up that it sort of seems like he made up that rule on the spot. Um, Cause I, I was watching that, the, that I don't know why I was watching that scene more closely than I normally would, but I did when I was making my notes and the, like the, the, the dialogue at the very end of it, it's rushed, but it is like he made up a rule that nobody was really aware of because some one of the other group members says something about it too, I think. I didn't write down the dialogue, but the way that it was presented, I sort of felt like that happened. But we also, to your point, yeah, they don't really explain. Each movie, they sort of tweak the rules a little bit, you know, and they unearth more rules because we already know the rules. So they have to sort of raise the stakes a little bit with the new rule that we didn't know about. Um, well, so the second one made sense because... Right. That was the uh, we don't sing original music, right? Yeah, right. yeah. Which I, I do love that in the third one, it's just straight up that they tried to set the rules. The Bellas tried to set the rules, and the other groups all were like, "Nah, fuck that shit. We're playing instruments." Right. We got to do a sound check with our right. instruments. Yeah. So, like, I really kind of, um, I, I get why the scores for these movies were just kind of diminishing returns with each entry, but I do appreciate that the third one tried something different. Yeah. Um, it, I don't think like the whole weird spy uh, action movie, half of it, um, I don't think really fit, but at least it was different. Um, but I also really liked that it was finally pitting them against more traditional uh, bands and not just other acapella groups and sort of really really showcasing the difference between acapella and uh, more traditional styles of music. Yeah. It was also nice, because um, I mean, I have a thesis statement about it that sort of sums up everything, which I can save till later. I don't know if that's like a thing, but um, not to lead with that big gun, but um, it, was, it was nice in the third one too, to that point that, the audience was into it. Like, you know, they they were underdogs in terms of th- the competition, but they also kind of weren't. They were only underdogs because they made themselves feel like underdogs. Nobody was telling them, oh, you guys aren't really that great. Like you watch that first scene where they perform and the audience is clapping along with them. The only problem is the taps plays and sort of kills the vibe. Um, right, and everybody else in the audience is like clapping and cheering. They're into it. Um, they're not. It's not like, oh my god, this is revolutionary. It's just like, yeah, this is also another great group, and we're enjoying it. And throughout their tour, what's interesting is they're not fighting for acceptance from an audience. It's you know just sort of like they create the competition themselves. Well, except for the fact that. DJ Khaled creates the competition, but it's not a competition <laughs> to the to the audience, you know, like right. they're just watching a show. That's an but, interesting point that like I didn't really think about. I think like by the time I got to the third one on this rewatch of all three of them, I was like, 
ah, things are exploding. John Lithgow is doing a weird accent. Yeah, yeah. We we should have a segment on that. Um, but that 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 toxic <laughs> cover though, pretty right. dope. I do like that. We do we're get all, to see it twice. Um, all of a sudden, like the action magically fits the song, and you're like. I'm pretty sure that what's going on in the action sequences would not fit this right. three minute long song. Or it's whatever. not a nine minute arrangement. Right. It's no. like um, the thing they practice pop songs for every possible situation they can find themselves in. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because they do have like that scene sort of on a side note is done very, very smartly from a sound design standpoint because they seamlessly do blend the arrangement and the actual Britney Spears track. Um, and back into the arrangement to get a nine minute scene out of a three minute arrangement, because you start with it, they do most of what would probably be the arrangement. And then it goes into the, the Britney Spears track, especially for a lot of the fighting. And then it comes back to the arrangement, you know, when we cut back to them, because nobody's doing a nine minute toxic arrangement. Like that's not a thing. A nine minute Britney Spears medley. Yes, I'm on board. I've done that kind of thing so it's like you have you know, not a britney spears but yes um i'd like to hear it i'd like to hear it <laughs> we can discuss all of <laughs> all of my arrangements later um but w- one of the things i don't know if this is the time to talk about it now so if not edit it out and we can come back to it but this franchise brings up a really good uh a really good case study on like the differences between plot and story because all three movies have the same plot points, but the story elements are different because the first one is a, like a a college movie. I wouldn't even necessarily put it into a specific genre other than a competition movie. The second one is a Greek tragedy to be Greek about it because they have a fall from their hubris. It's a tragic hero situation where they climb back up. And then the third one is a heist film, Um, you know, and (laughs) you know, just to so. call it a heist film. <laughs> yeah. Is... yeah, it's a heist movie. Um, I do want to. I do want to put a finger on it real quick. Uh, I would consider the first movie a sports movie, except the sport is singing. Um, yeah. But it but it does follow the traditional three game structure that most sports movies follow. Mighty except ducks. in this case, it's a singing competition instead of a game. Instead of like a championship game or whatever. Yeah. Right. Or the, the big homecoming ducks. game. Right. Or, you know, yeah. you, you have the one where you show how bad they are, then you have the one to show how they're improving, and then the championship. And in between, you have montages. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, because I feel like in all three of these movies, they're only, like, bad once. And that's at the, the, the frat party. Yeah, yeah. Um, you you mean in in terms of performance? In the, terms, terms of performance, performance, yeah, yeah, like objectively bad. Yeah, right. objectively bad because they do fail in other in you know in the performance setting in other ways. Right, um, right, the because but yeah, there's one objective failure each time. Because it feels like the first one they they need to inject uh, the modern songs into their repertoire because um, like. Like I said, you only hear them bad once, and I feel like that's them actually singing live, like on pur- like doing that on purpose, not being in a booth doing that. Oh, um, you mean like for the actual uh, the, the actual soundtrack yeah. of the movie? Yeah. Okay. It's so, either that or who they mixed it and edited it, yeah, to be that way because yeah. like all of those, you know, and having having sat in a room and made an acapella CD you know, through part of that process, it is like, you know, you get really good 
tracks and recordings, but just like with any recording and any sound editing on any movie, you have to edit the hell out of everything, especially with acapella where everything is so crisp. And if, you know, you can't be in, perfectly in sync when you're recording in a way that like when you're live, you might not hear that people are a 30 second, you know, note off from each other with a cutoff, but on an album, you got to lay down all the tracks and then you have to edit those, edit those up. So like, even if they recorded it raw in a booth and then they just didn't touch it, you would end up with that. But I think you are right. I do think that it sounded like it was done live or at least the mix of their live singing was higher and they yeah. were not trying. And then in the, <laughs> and then in the second one, it felt like their songs were like, Oh, too over the top. So they needed to like, come back to reality yeah. they and went then, from smartly producing to overproducing right and then in the third one it's just like i want to call the third one also like the return of saturn in a way for the older members because like they graduated college they all hate their lives and their jobs so like yeah, because Haley Steinfeld's the only one who's still in college at still that in point, college right? yeah mm-hmm. we do get that one scene where we see the current group singing at the aquarium. Yeah, yeah, they sing um, uh, Sit Down, Look Pretty, or whatever. But yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're shiny in their jackets. <laughs> they're, but, they're so young. So like, oh, am I wrong in calling it that? Like, not only is it a heist movie, but it's also like a return of, a return of Saturn. Yeah, of- no, it's, it's, it's kind of a, like a high school reunion plot in a way too, because they're all like catching up to, to where each of them are in their lives and surprise, surprise, they're all very dissatisfied. Yeah. For various reasons. And like, I, I get it that Anna Kendrick is the one that they are banking on in all these movies, but like the other ones I'm more interested in. Yeah, I that's one of my problems with the sequels um, is that I wish they kept redoing the same plot for her separate from the acapella competition or the <laughs> music competition. They kept redoing the same thing with her. We're like, oh, she's too cool for the group. She has to, and she has to learn how to be part of the group and be proud of it and everything and have friendships. And I'm sorry, if you have to learn that three times in that short a span of your life, you might be a sociopath and you might just need to go to therapy. um and it it, I like I kind of wish like yeah they made her the main character so they want her to continue being the main character but I kind of wish that they were able to put more focus on for example Britney Snow in the third one maybe like make her sort of more the hero right or like make you know I would love for them to have written a more full character for Haley Steinfeld who's amazing but she's just kind of the young girl the new one in both both of the sequels yeah and uh, you know it's like in the third one you kind of it would have been a little bit more satisfying in a way to see uh anna kendrick be trying like how to keep everybody together you know if if she still needs to be the focus of the film which makes sense again um from the yeah franchise standpoint like flip it around a little bit yeah yeah um, interesting. Yeah. And it's like, I feel like what's unfortunate is the third one suffers because of the existence of the second one. And if it had just been two of them, like if the third one had been the second one, I don't think it would have suffered as much because it's like they use the same 
types of jokes and sometimes the same jokes, you know, across all three movies. So by the time you get to the third one, it is sort of like, well, we've done this twice before or once before, depending on what you're looking at. And if that second movie hadn't been there, the third one might have stood out a bit more, but also the third one can't, couldn't like, I don't think it would have been able to be a heist movie as this, as a sequel, you know, it's like the only way that that held up the heist is that there, it was the third one. And it was like, well, we might as well, do a heist movie yeah um it's, it's, it's number three in a trilogy we're gonna go for broke right well if they're gonna go for broke they should have done what i kept saying and got did like an intergalactic competition <laughs> i mean yes <laughs> they've conquered america they conquered, they conquered the, world. the world it's time to conquer the <laughs> solar system <laughs> come on I mean, like that's the only that was the only the progression you pitch perfect four uh, <laughs> Elizabeth Banks, are you taking notes? I mean, it's she's in Power Rangers. We have a universe that could be being <gasps> built here. Oh my god, so do you think it's the same over. universe as Power Rangers? I, I would like care. to think so, except that <laughs> then we would need a discuss, you know, figuring out how to reconcile the two Elizabeth Bankses. Um, I think maybe it's more of a multiverse. Okay, but maybe Rita Repulsa uh fashioned her human form off of an earth human who happened to be Elizabeth Banks in these movies, uh, her ancestor that she happens to be identical to. I mean, I'm here for it. I'm 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 just, I'm trying to make this work. I want this to work the same way I want the gem and the GI Joe crossover to work. (laughs) But like, come on, Uh, you can't, you can't like conquer the ICCA's become world champions and then take a step down to win a contest by dj khaled yeah no it's a similar going back to the sports movie analogy it's a similar dilemma as the mighty ducks trilogy yeah (laughs) because in that one they won states and the state is minnesota in the first one so that's like in at least in america the biggest state to win hockey and then in the second one they win the olympics and then in the third one they're like we're gonna beat the varsity team yeah (laughs) it's i mean what's interesting is it's almost like in the third one they should have beat but i mean you can't olympics it's like there's nowhere to go the one the one thing that this that this trilogy does i think a little bit differently to like put on a devil's advocate hat is Mm. that it's it's the national competition then an international collegiate competition and then the last one is professional and it is it's so it's beyond that so it's like it's not they're not college kids anymore they are just a a group you right. know of humans and i do think on. again that that's why it's smart that they put them against groups like actual traditional bands yeah who all do different styles um instead of other acapella groups yeah but come because, on like, you that's know what you want to pentatonics you know you know you want to see some like sexy aliens from venus John, i always, I always want to see sexy four. aliens from venus and right. sing like their version of like a go-go's mashup <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> or they they're singing Britney Spears. They have the nine minute long Britney Spears mashup. Because on their planet, that's how long the song is. Yes. <laughs> and then in the fourth one, it can be time travel. We've done it. Oh my god, it's true. <laughs> they have to like uh they have to win have back to, in 19, 1900s. They have to like oh defeat god. Mozart. Uh <laughs> Uh, anyway that's too similar to bill and ted three so let's not do it and back to the future well except minus the music but yes 
Um, yeah. <laughs> Christopher Lloyd on a train. Every movie would be better with Christopher Lloyd on a train. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we were kind of talking about this with like the third one is acapella versus instruments. But like the other ones are other, are like more tropey, I want to say. Because mm-hmm. like that, that was at least something interesting. You never. Yeah. It's it, not really mu- like musical movies like that where it's uh, acapella versus non-acapella. And then yeah. the, even the groups that are that have instruments are like, all right, we could sing without them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're like, we're still trained singers. You know that, right? Right. But like, um, you know, you've got the boys versus girls. Right. And then you have um, still versus... from World War II. <laughs> yeah. Germans versus Americans. Yeah. <laughs> but another thing that uh, Pitch Perfect 3 does differently from the first two, and this is obviously probably something that was just out of production's hands uh, as far as signing actors' contracts and stuff like that. But like totally different boys this time around. We don't have the troublemakers anymore. No. Which, uh, I mean, I kind of love the arc between Skylar Astin and Anna Kendrick's characters. So, like, that was pretty disappointing to me that, like, the series ends with them, like, broken up and he's just forgotten about, thrown away. Oh, here's this other boy. I guess he wears a leather jacket and has facial hair. So that's fine. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. And, you know, I've had this exact same thought with Legally Blonde. Um in that it's interesting what Hollywood deems worth dragging out over multiple movies and what it doesn't. And what it doesn't deem worth dragging out is realistic love stories because it's like, if they had stayed together, you know, it's sort of like, Oh, well, the only romantic conflict there can be is our will they won't they, but it's like, that's not true. You know, you can have, if you want conflict, you can have them question a relationship or you can have a healthy, stable relationship as an example, so that people in life get realistic examples of what like relationships can be instead of it's either budding or you're single and bitter, you know, it's like, you know, although those are valid states to be as well. Um, And it's not even like, I don't think it's necessarily that realistic that she would stay with her college boyfriend forever. Right. But like from a narrative standpoint, it is a little disappointing because I feel like it does a disservice to her character and her development because he was so important to all of that. Right. Um, So important that I'm blanking on his name. Jesse? Jesse. Jesse. Jesse and Bumper. Yeah. I mean, he was. So when was Pitch Perfect 3? 2017? He. I'm trying to see like maybe he had something. He had conflicts or whatever. I mean, the, the only thing is, is that Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, he was cast in that. Um, uh, he was, he first appeared in 2018 on that. Yeah. So was I don't he, know if that was... Was he his... doing anything theater? Because I know he started in theater. Oh, I don't know. I don't I, know. He, was... he might have been. I, I mean, I kind of feel like, though, for some, for like this, you would... It probably wouldn't come down to I'm doing something else. It's because, like, you make time... To shoot something like that, a lot of schedules. I mean, because sometimes schedules just cannot be reconciled. But it maybe it was money, you know, yeah, or like they oh, could have also written his character in such a role, similar to um, oh, what's her name, the one who has the baby. 
yeah. where she she basically Stacey. just shows up. Yeah, Stacy, thank you. She shows up for pretty much two scenes and is not in the rest of the movie. They just like wrote this baby storyline for her so that she didn't have to be in the rest of it, I assume, because she didn't have the availability for the whole thing. Um, and they could have done something similar with him. He doesn't have to go on the USO tour with right. Becca. He just FaceTimes her. Yeah, yeah. He could just be the supportive boyfriend, you know, holding it together back home or something like that. And then you get the the beautiful, like, you know, 11 o'clock moment where he's, dis- he's disappeared. She thinks he's cheating on her. And then all of a sudden he shows up at the gig, you know, like, that's great, too. I'd be here for that. Yeah, um, I love that. Or yeah. conversely, if you can't have him in the movie, do the second most obvious romantic relationship for her, which is with Chloe. Yeah, it's true. And I mean, they they passed up the opportunity for them to do like a really awesome, you know, something like Baby It's Cold Outside duet because she's a bass, which I don't know if we're ready to discuss this. However, um, bring it up. I mean, that's not really how nodes work. Um, But also, I mean, I don't know if we can talk about now or later the fact that they just forget about her being a base in the third movie from, from an editing standpoint is now the time to say that. Cause I just have to say that <laughs> yeah. out loud. I just need to complain about it because like, they're pretty good in the other ones about like making sure that when the base is going, dim, 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 you know, that she's going dim, 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 with her mouth. But in the third one, you watch it. She's just doing whatever she wants. She's saying words. She's like standing, chilling, like clapping a couple points where there's a baseline. It's like, there's nobody else doing bass. Don't be lazy. Like from a, you know, I don't know if that, who that was, or maybe yeah. they like laid down the bass tracks after they did all the other recording. I don't know. I don't want to assume, but like, come on. So anyway, sorry, rant <laughs> over. So. She just does what she wants. She does. Watch her. I'll sh- like, we'll go back and I'll, I'll show you the scenes where she's just like, you know, or saying words and it's just, you know, it's not even... Sorry. Now I have to watch this movie again because yeah. I did not notice that. I did not notice it either. Most people don't. I'm just stupid and right. nerdy. No, no, and that's it's like that's, that's what I look at. Expertise, though. Like, <laughs> I mean, I suppose, yeah. That's um, why we brought you on to ooh, do this. Neither of us would have ever said that. <laughs> I think eventually, like, I mean, eventually we would have, but it would have taken us like the three hundredth viewing of it. <laughs> Nick got it on the third. (laughs) But I mean, you could say the same thing as well about the soundtrack, because if you listen to the soundtrack version versus the movie version of the first, like their finale in the first movie, Mm -hmm. it's so different. Mm -hmm. Like they, they highlight moments, um, especially her, speaking of the bass, they highlight the bass moment because obviously the camera is focusing on her. Um, there's that one moment where they like slide up to a note where, mm-hmm. is it Jessica that's the blonde that doesn't have any lines? I think Probably. so. Either Jessica that's or kind of, Ashley, yeah. either one. <laughs> They're interchangeable. They are. Uh, where she has like this really high note and she like jumps up and points and everything. You mm-hmm. don't hear that in the soundtrack. <laughs> yeah, no. Which I'm I do think very that's, upset. Yeah. I, I wish the soundtrack had both versions because I do 
appreciate that they have a different version where they were like, well, we're considering that we don't have the camera this time. We don't have, we're not visually uh, putting emphasis on a specific character. So why would we do it with the audio? Yeah. Um, But I like the version in the movie. I want to listen to both on Spotify. And then also the, in the second one, I mean, since we're like airing grievances about the mo- these movies now, <laughs> obviously, <laughs> we, we did the deed. We talked about them. <laughs> I'm going to air another grievance. Um, the second one, I wish there was another few scenes with um, Anna Kendrick and Haley Steinfeld. Yeah. Because like, I, I get I... it that she's figuring her life out. She's a senior, blah, 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 blah. But like... Yeah, I'm not personally a big fan of the internship plotline in that movie. And I really think they could have just excised that and done more work with the other characters. But how are you going to get Snoop Dogg singing a Christmas album? You know, that's a great question. (laughs) Mm, What is that, Nick, what is that pad call that she's standing there and she plays? I don't actually know um, what, I didn't, uh, I, I looked at it quickly i mean if, if we went back you get a screen grab and see like who makes it but it's just like i mean it's just a midi controller um okay. and it's probably it it looks like it's one of the ones that's more form you know formatted for loops um where you know you can because like i've got a mini one of those on one of my pianos and it's like you can assign whatever you want to it and it can be pitches, it can be drums, you can switch back and forth, it can be pre-existing loops you made, or you can do sort of like what you see in the third one where she has a loop pedal, where you like, um, you know, record a loop um, and then you sing over it and you sing over it and that kind of thing. Those are built in for that. So you can like record a loop and then assign it to one of the buttons. So it can kind of do, it's a way of controlling all, like mixing live. Um, I should you know, have known. For recording. Did you ever known I've, wa- I've been watching a lot of Netta's YouTube videos where she has that mm-hmm. on there and she hits it with a drumstick and it's glorious. Yeah. Uh- <laughs> Wait, I have one more grievance just to get out of the way. Do it. Das Sound Machine was robbed. They deserve the win. <laughs> yeah, but like Sorry America versus it. Germany. Sorry like- about it. Okay. I, you know, though, not World War II anymore, John. I don't care. Crack a book, John, to use the line from the movie. I'm divorcing um, myself from patriotism. I'm just looking at the at the at the show they each gave us. Dust Sound Machine was superior. It's difficult because the other thing is like acapella. People really love acapella, and a lot of them have emotional attachments to like their, you know, their years and their time. And like that, that Katie Seagal line, you know, that through line is like super real. Um, And if those judges were acapella people, they may have been swayed by that display. Plus also Um, you have all the cameos in that one. Right. Which is also another thing where it's like, so rules and regulations here. Um, (laughs) like only current members allowed like did they clear this um they they each signed a one day deal yeah with the group that they are now for today right. only uh, yeah. an official active member right <laughs> and it's also like the song that they write flashlight is like good you kind of want it to be a little bit better and yeah. a little bit more impactful yeah but like you know yes yeah 
Um, <laughs> Jesse J's people, man. That's yeah. all I'm going to say. I, I will say like another thing that I think is missing from the second one that the first two have, and I think it's great in the first one, and then they do a really good job of tying it back into the third one, was how seriously the characters took acapella but how very clear it was that nobody else gave a shit that everybody else was like oh, yeah. that's weird why are you so into it without like ever actually having to say it like it was very clear that this is a very insular world and everybody else is like who cares um and then in the second one i i think like it's a real detriment to it that like suddenly it feels like the entire world takes acapella super seriously I think it like kind of flattens a lot of the humor for me. Well, when you have Robin Roberts as a former Bella. Like it just like doesn't make sense to me that like everybody seems to take acapella so seriously. Like the Obamas are taking it super seriously and everything. And it's like that was kind well, of in the first one was that nobody cares except the people in these groups. I think some of that is a symptom of who the movies were made for. Like the first one like the book is written by a guy from the acapella world, you know, giving his thing, you know, and it was like introducing the world, the rest of the world to acapella. So you sort of have that framework where could, because, you know, if you don't know about acapella as a, as an average human watching this movie, why do you care? Because you don't. So you have to be made to care about acapella. And then in the second one, it was sort of made for and about people who, are into that sort of thing because like that, like that didn't even occur to me because I was in the acapella world. And also like the guys group at my school sang at um, an incubus concert. And like, I do know people in groups who like, you know, I don't know if I know anybody who actually performed. I don't think anybody's performed at the Kennedy center, but probably, but like I was friends with people who were in these groups about which this book was written like, you know, in like real life, like the tough Beelzebubs and the, you know, the, the Smith, uh, Smith and Poofs and, you know, like that kind of stuff. And like, these things do happen, you know, and it, it's weird because when you're doing them, it does feel like, oh my God, the whole world cares, but you know, really most people have no idea, but like th those kind of things do happen. And what's interesting is I didn't even question it for a second. I was just like, yes, give me this soup. I'll, 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 I'll sip it. Um, I don't know why soup came to my mind um but anyway yeah I, I it's it's interesting i hadn't i hadn't thought about that because it is sort of like when you're when you're boiled in it and stewed in it that's where the soup came from when you're stewed in it for so long it's like you do kind of lose perspective and assume that the whole, the whole world cares about it and most people don't um well the only way so. that a lot of people prior to pitch perfect the first one knew about and obviously the book i should say knew about um acapella is from a few episodes in gilmore girls yeah because like you have um, the grandfather did, yeah i did watch the sing-off I just want to put that out there well, before yeah. perfect ever came out well and the sing-off like that's the group that like because i don't want to i'm not dragging anybody into a podcast but like um what my, my friend was in that group and because like that was the bubs who did that and it's like the sing-off was about all those people you know and then you got pentatonics and everything kind of sprung out of that and like 
the thing about it too is that like i don't know if it's i don't know if it's what tv you watched as a kid but it's like it's been there peppered throughout time where it's yeah. like people knew about acapella in the context of rockapella doing the where in the world is carmen san diego thing but they Ooh, didn't know true. that that's what that is really it's like because it, it didn't it didn't have like other context but like acapella showed up in little ways like that yeah. and rockapella is sort of the best example of what like what mainstream acapella was and then also um, in scrubs Oh, Scrubs, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think for a very long time, I thought of acapella as like exclusively like barbershop quartets. Right. I, yeah. I love that John brought up Fillmore Girls though. Yeah. <laughs> because there's ahead. even a, a joke in, I'm a, I'm a little bit of an expert. <laughs> uh, there's a joke in the Parents' Day episode when Rory's in college uh, where she tells her parents to uh, avoid um places with great acoustics because that's where uh acapella groups are gonna be saying, i mean it's it's not it's yeah. not oh it's not untrue <laughs> but like but like they were looked at as a joke not as something serious i should say and then glee and then glee which was that was post sing-off was that pre-pitch perfect i forget the timeline it was i think it, it was, was post sing-off pre-pitch perfect yeah they, they make fun of glee in Pitch Perfect, the first one. They very much do. Because it's it was like True. the height of Glee too that they made fun of it. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was the hotness. Which there's an interesting tangential link with um, you know, Chain Lynch and um the announcer having both been in um Best in Show. Yeah. Yeah, Michael Higgins. Also, Leah Michelle and Skylar Aston were both yeah. in the original Broadway cast of Spring Awakening. Spring Awakening. <laughs> yeah. And Skylar Aston was in an episode of Glee. Was he? I didn't know that. Shall you know, we? Oh, I mean, hold on real quick. Do you know who we didn't mention at all yet? I just realized. Ben Platt. That Amy. Oh, oh yeah. We haven't talked about either of them. Like in what, in what, asp, in what respect? I don't know. <laughs> I feel like Fat Amy's um, stories in all of them are the more interesting ones than Becca. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, and, but you know, I mean, they sort of have to be. And yeah. she can't, she also can't be the lead in the movie, um, you know, because of that. Because but, if it was the whole movie, you know, but anyway. It would yes. suddenly be a different movie where the focus could not be the acapella group because the rest of her life is so much more interesting. Yeah. Because like, you know, she's... I mean, they even plant seeds for the third movie in the first one, where she, when like they get the call that they're going to be competing in the uh, championships, um, she's in like a hot tub or a pool or something surrounded by right. people and everything. And I'm just like, ooh, she rich. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They, they like build a real mystery around her. Yeah. And then I, uh, the third one, the whole heist right. is... I guess the heist is like that movie kind of is half hers and half Becca's. Oh yeah. Yeah. The heist what? is all fat Amy. Well, and you can tell it's going to be that in the first scene, you know, in the first five minutes of the movie where when you get the Bella's, the, the Bella's interacting, 
it's that opening scene with Anna Kendrick and Fat Amy in, I don't know why I'm using an actor and a character name mixed up, but hey, we're here <laughs> and we're staying there um, with Rebel Wilson in, in that first scene in the apartment. And you can also tell the tone. I don't know if it's because it was with the other writer or I. It, it's just like a lot of the movie feels like they were like improv, which is fine and is totally legit. But, you know, that scene between the two of them feels very different um, in some ways from, you know, the, tonally from the other movies because you have that sort of dynamic that was like a cutaway to rebel Wilson doing something weird. And then we're back in the rest of the movie. It's like, Oh no, the cutaway is the main social dynamic now. Yeah. Who else? Who else? Who I else mean, we, we got Ben Platt. Oh yeah. Ben Platt. This was before dear Evan Hansen. Oh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Long, long. So it was before Ben Platt was really a thing. Um, like, this, in terms like of was this around the same time that because uh, I know he took over for um, Book of Mormon, uh, Josh Gad's part for a while. Was this around the same time? I think it was around the same time, but I don't know which came first. Okay. Well, so Ben Platt, like Skylar Aston in the third movie, gets just written out. I mean, he gets yeah. At least Skylar Aston's character is like, oh, we broke up. Ben yeah. Platt. It's like he never existed. Um, right. What's his character's name? Benji. 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 That's why I can't think of it because it's the same as his yeah. real name with a G. Well, yeah. he's got, he starts sort of dating Haley Steinfeld's character. There's, there's a, yeah. There's Ooh. held, held glances. No, they kiss at the end of this, at the, at the end of the second one. They make out. Yeah. So then like, like you would, she didn't say she doesn't say anything in the third one to be like oh yeah benji and i broke up or whatever right which again it's realistic that you would hook up with a guy your freshman year of college and then have maybe a short relationship and then never mention him again for the rest of your life but it's not narratively satisfactory for your audience right well and especially in her case Haley steinfeld was a freshman and benji was a senior so like that's hard to do Yeah, he's about to um, set off on a whole new part of his life that you're nowhere near ready for yet. But I think the third movie was Dear Evan Hansen time around there. <laughs> that sounds right. Yeah. Right. But I mean, I also feel like from a writing standpoint, they were probably like, well, it's all or nothing. It's one of the guys or none of the guys. Um, because it would be weird to have, especially since Benji only ever existed in relationship to Jesse yeah that you know it's like it would be weird to have like you would feel the absence of Skylar Aston's character a lot more if you had Ben Platt I think um probably not true with Bumper um what's Adam's last name Divine oh Divine yeah thank you because I always want to say Levine and I know that it's not that but it's just to the left of that so Divine yes um that's enough Um, but, uh, you know, I think that you could have had him without the others, but I do think, and you could have had Skylar Aston by himself and that's just because of the writing, I think. Um, but yeah. No Donald Faison either. Just had to Uh, say it. He's only in the first one. Yeah. So Donald Faison, welcome back. I needed to mention Donald Faison. Yeah. No Brecken Meyer at all. No Dakota Johnson. Don't even get me started. I'm so upset. You know what? Let's get, Shady, let's get to special features. Okay. 
Typically, during this section of the podcast, John and I each take a movie or multiple movies, however it may be, and we take turns talking about our extra little trivia research that we've done. We try to surprise each other, but today we're gonna we're just gonna turn it over to Nick to talk about some special features for collegiate acapella. Um, everything you see in this movie is true. Um, <laughs> no, I, don't, I mean no. Um, it's like. You know, I, I, I say that in a flip way, but it's like it's 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 true. Like, you, th- it, like th- some of these things might seem like, oh, that's a really silly thing, or they're trying to put acapella in the context of you know, like frats. But it's like, no, that's like that's how seriously people take it. Um, some groups, yes, and some groups, no. It depends on who you are and where you are, and also probably when you are, because you know, I did college acapella 10, 15 years ago. And it's, you know, it was right before it was starting to get really popular, like as that was happening. And, you know, then afterwards you have the college acapella that kids have been doing like post that, like post Pitch Perfect, which I'm sure is, you know, totally different um, in that, you know, in terms of it's like the whole Glee thing where it's like you get a slushy in your face and then all of a sudden it's cool to be in Glee. Um, you know, same thing probably with acapella, I'd imagine. Um, but like... I don't know if you guys want me to just like tell you stories or like talk about the arrangements, but like, um, I mean, well, well one so, thing that somebody needs to say is the Green Bay Packers did sing. Um, yes, I, I have yes. I have stuff to say about the Green Bay Packers <laughs> okay. and their involvement in this movie. All right, I, I, in this franchise. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, I I would assume I I didn't do any research on it, but like a lot of the singing is, you know, the actual actors, which is part of the reason why they cast them, of course. Um, But yeah, you do end up with like a lot of, you know, almost everything you hear is recorded as with most movie musical things. It's recorded in a booth, but it's also edited. So you don't, you know, it's like it, it is a very sort of CD experience versus what you would get if you were live. Although you know, sound mixers learned how to, how to mix acapella, which is totally different from like, you know, what a lot of sound guys, when you go to a show, it's like, I can mix a band, but mixing voices is totally different. And a fun piece of, a fun piece of trivia um, is there were groups that were performing a couple of female groups, not at my school. And I, there were other schools that I went, that we went to hear that were using octavizers live, which would, you'd have a girl singing bass and they'd, run it an octave down um, in the mix oh. of the speakers. And it was pretty cool. It's a little bit weird because it is like, you know, you don't have the chance to really love it up like you can in the studio when you're mixing yeah. it and make it sound really sweet and iron out some of the bumps. But like, it was a, it's a cool thing. And uh, yes. I just have a question. How do people <laughs> feel? Because it seems to me like some people would be like very purist about it's just what your human voice can do versus what technology can do to enhance it. So is that like a controversy that comes up? Oh yes. Um, Like, and speaking from like personal experience with the dynamics, like at my group, at my group and at my school, 
Um, so we recorded a, we recorded one CD while I was there. There's some, there's some groups that like record a CD a year. There's some groups that do it every few years. And my group, there was one before I got in, my group was relatively young. They had been around for three or four years before I got there. Um, and they did a CD and it was like, they, they did it all themselves. And then we did a CD while I was there. And it was sort of a mix where we like, we had a, we had external people doing some of the, you know, like recording and mixing and stuff, but they were people that we knew they weren't, you know, like we didn't rent out a studio or anything. We did end up using a studio because um, for, for some of the tracks, but most of it we recorded in like the music ed suite at, at, uh, at school. Um, and so some of the people who did the mixing for us were uh, part of some, uh, some groups that would, in their CDs do a lot of really like a lot of mixing. Like they would throw filters on a voice to make it sound like an electric guitar, which is really cool, but very much not purist. And there were people like in my group and other groups, you know, all like all over the place who were very much like, no, we are doing what you hear, you know, like, and we would make sounds that would be, you know, and like you get into, like, if you, if you look at the, the pitch perfect movies, you'll hear like weird syllables or like weird sounds, like you'll hear, you know, and they're like, but that, you know, so we would do stuff like that. But for us, instead of doing like running a filter for a guitar and we do it live, you would come up with like weird syllables. Like we would do like, and I had to write them all out. Um, Cause they hadn't like done sheet music before my group was in there. So I started writing everything and spelled. It was like, G J Z H, but it's like, and you like use that kind of sound to be a guitar and it, it plays out a little bit better live than it does recorded. We found out. Um, but I don't know. I did like, like the, the great moment in toxic where you have, um, Esther, I forget the actress's name, but run across, she's the beatboxer. She runs across going like on her throat. And it's like, that's not a lie. We would do that, you know? And it's like, I was a vacuum. I would make a vacuum sound as like to do like distortion. I, I don't know, like, like, I have no idea what that's gonna sound like through this microphone, but like, it's really high and kind of airy and distorted. And like, so we would do that. And that's what we put on our CD my group had, you know, and it's like, I was involved in the debate myself, which, you know, like, you know, you have, it's very different to be in the moment and in the distant, but like we had, a, you know, a bunch of debates about whether or not we wanted to use filters and do some things or use a little bit or like use our pure, you know, the pure tone. And this is a really long way of saying yes to your question that like, there are people who it's like, only voices, only what you hear. And there are other people who are just like, this is fun. Let's just like fuck around and find out. Um, uh, your group that you were in, were you guys, were you all men? Were you mixed men? We were women? co-ed. Um, so it was, it was an interesting, it, it's also like the dynamics that you see. It, it, like when I watched Pitch Perfect for, for the first time, it was, you know, years after college. And it was just like thing after thing was hitting me and giving me pains. And it was like, oh my God. Cause like some of it's good reminders and some of it's just like, this is so real where it's like each group has a personality. And it's like, you've got the one group who's high all the time. You've got one group who takes themselves way too seriously. You have the group that sings all musical theater, you know? And it's like, we had, you know, we had Ithaca Pella cause I went to Ithaca college and they were the, they were the guys group. Then we had premium blend, which was the girls group and then voice stream, which was us. And then there were other groups that sort of came and went 
at various points and I actually don't know what they have now. There are probably more. Um, yeah. But it's, yeah, it's like the other thing that needs to be said is like the other thing that that they sort of lean into in these movies, but they don't as much as they should is like, it's hard for all female groups. It's harder for them than it is for other people, for other groups, I think, because a, you don't have the base for mm-hmm. a lot of the time. And like all music, especially now is like geared towards the baseline. And it's like, when that's not there, the average listener is just like, oh, this feels empty. Where's the energy? So it's hard. So they have to be better to like keep your attention and it's not their fault. You know, it's just like they, so they have a higher bar. And then also the bar is just lower for all male acapella groups in general, because like in college, it's like, oh, look at all those boys up there who are singing, you know? And it's like, it's a chance where it's that mix of like, some of them were, or kind of are the jock type, but they're up there singing. So they're emotionally available. But like, if you went to the acapella parties, you would find out that they are, you know, a lot of it is a lot of sexual confusion or like, or not, you know, totally (laughs) a lot of really sexually confident male. Can I interject here for a second? can. So, okay, you're talking about your college experience. My college, I think we had three or four uh, groups. I think we had like the all male, the all female, and then like one or two co-ed groups. Mm -hmm. But I was part of the um, pseudo show choir group that we had, which was Mm -hmm. the lowest of the low. It's amazing. I went to a very small school that did not have any established acapella groups. Um, but some of the girls from like the theater and music departments tried to start uh, an acapella group, and I think they just like couldn't really get it off the ground. But they were called the Acabellas. So when this movie came out and they were called the Bellas, I was like, ah. Yeah. Say, I mean, you know, in a in a similar thing, it's like we like I when this came out, I was sort of unaware of the whole Aka prefix thing like aka whatever except that like my group made acapocalypse which was the cd that we made and like our our front and that's actually where my background comes in handy for those of you (laughs) playing along at home my background is um post comet uh uh prehistoric earth background from another project i was working on but um yeah so we had our artwork was like dinosaurs and we had a a a logo that was a, a, a like a screaming mouth that we used as the comet. So that was like something we, you know, and that was in like, what, 2008, 2007, eight, something ah. like that. Um, I, I think they kind of, not not to uh, rip on K-Canon too much, but I think that was a joke that they pretty much stole from Bring It On where they keep using cheer as a prefix. Right. Like, I think they just Sounds were like, right. I think it kind of works better uh, with Akka than with cheer, but it's a joke. Being such a right. cheer tater. This <laughs> is a cheerocracy. Yeah. Aka, um, excuse me. <laughs> excuse me. Um, yeah, no, it was Apocalypse. Um, so, so, oh yeah. What? What? Um, you kind of touched upon this, and I kind of forgot already. What is the big deal that Becca does with the group in the first one? Is it that it was a mashup? So, okay. Um, and this is sort of why it's interesting the the journey that if you're in acapella and you watch these movies, and I can't speak for everybody's group experience, but I know it wasn't just mine <laughs> at like my school. I know other groups that go through this. 
you have this very real thing where it's like you show up as a freshman and again, not every group is like this, but frequently it's like, this is how we do things. This is our traditions. And this is the way that it's going to be forever. That's and then you get there and everybody <laughs> comes in and they're like, but what if we just tried? Th-? And then it's like, no, no, we're not going to. And then eventually you do, but then you don't realize it when you're a senior, you do the same thing without realizing it. And it's like, this is how we do things. We don't need to. And it doesn't come from a place uh, like you think it's not coming from a place of like, we are going to do it this way forever. It comes from a place you think at the time where it's like, we just have other things that we need to be worrying about. It's easier if we don't. And then you don't realize it until four years later when you're watching Pitch Perfect that you have become, you have both been Becca and become um, Aubrey, you know, and it's just like, It's a weird reckoning, but it's, it's, the, it's, I don't know, it's human, it's, it's human nature, I think. So what Becca does with the group is sort of like twofold. And for us, like, that's why my, why my experience, like why I resonated with this movie a lot is like, we sort of went through the same thing where like you come in and sometimes the groups do a lot of the same material um, at like we did, there were a couple of songs that we did at every concert. And it's just like, you know, from one and when you're coming in as an outsider, you think, why are we doing this at every concert? You don't see that like some people, they are doing it at every concert because they have fans who do come to every concert who really like hearing those songs. And you don't see that in the moment, but at the same time, objectively speaking, you then end up in the same problem that the Bellas are in in the first movie where it's like, we've seen this before, you've done this before, we're bored of it. Um, So Becca both injects the, you know, doing new material and updated material and mashups. And like for her in the whole movie, mashups are the answer for everything. And I do love that in the second movie, it's like mashups aren't the answer for everything. Um, And then all of a sudden in the third movie, she's a composer too, instead of just a producer, but that's neither here nor there. Um, But yeah, so it, it is like, you know, and you have that scene where she does the the mashup with Snoop Dogg and you think, oh, great, we're doing mashup is the answer for everything again. But then the next, you know, in the next 30 seconds, Keegan-Michael Key is like, I don't want, you know, I don't want to hear just mashups. That's not the answer for everything. And you're like, okay, I see what you're doing here. Great. Um, but yeah, so she brings in mashups and the big, the big moment of rebellion is her just literally singing one bulletproof line during during their performance, which is a mashup, but then in her arrangements, she starts bringing them in because she was making them on her computer first. And we have that really dramatic, um, like visual moment of her going to click save from the Mac menu circa 2010. You know, it's just like, oh, how evocative is that? Um, yeah. I do love that they also like, as much as the movie sides with her in the end, that that it's her idea that wins them the championship <laughs> and everything, they do kind of like call out and make her in that scene where she starts doing a mashup without having warned the other members yeah. of the group where they were like, no, that was really fucking selfish. It caught everyone yeah. off guard. It screwed up their whole performance yeah. because you can't just be the person who's in control all the time. Right. Well, and you also like, you know, any... I mean, I can't say any because it's not always true, but for the most part, like live performers, you don't do shit like that unless you're in a context where it's like improv is fine. Right. And, you know, they, the, the Bellas are the opposite of that, where it's like, they are not prepared for improv, but if it was a different group that, you know, had that sort of energy, you could do that sort of thing and not totally mess them up. 
Um, but I think that was you sort of pushing us towards talking about mashups a little bit, which, you know, <laughs> you know that I can talk about forever um, because my group did not do mashups. Like that was a really? very specific thing. Like we, and we talked about it and it's probably been inflated in my head with the years of like forgetting actually forgetting these conversations, but it was very much a thing that we didn't do. And I had proposed it a couple of times of like doing that sort of thing. And it's not, I didn't do like what Becca did and like try to sneak it in, um, but like we didn't do them. So I had to get sneaky because I, I, that's when I started liking doing mashups. This is before I had my little channel and did my little thing. Um, I would sneak in mashups into like the background parts of songs, um, you know, which you do hear if you listen to the arrangements in the first and second one, like you have a moment at the end of the first movie where Fat Amy just says percussion as one of the words in the last moment, you know, and they like it's internal mashups. So like I would kind of do that kind of thing. Oh um, yeah. Cause she's well that in that one though, uh, that's like the, that's like the like pitch perfect mega yeah. mix callback. Yeah. Right. And like we uh, like I would do those sorts of things and call back internally, you know, the audience wouldn't hear it, but it's like I would make the choruses of other songs, the alto part in another song. Like, you know, and sometimes oh. like there was one song that we did that was very similar to another one and I literally made the words for one of the parts. This sounds like the part from the format which was which is like on our CD. Um, and you only hear it if you're listening for it because it's buried in everything else. Or my one of like one of the things that I nerded out over the most was there's this song called Amaranth, um, which is just like this. It's I mean you should look them up. It's um, what was the band name? Was it Nightwish? Something like that. Um, that was I, th I mean I think they were they were Scandinavian of, of some nature. It was like a Scandinavian evanescence. Um, and it was a song Amaranth, which ended up being totally fun to do, even though nobody had heard it. But the, the point of this story is I made the, probably the alto, cause you know, you gotta give altos some love. Um, I made yes. their part, the, yes. uh, the Christmas song from Grinch, Favu Forest. Like, so that's just legit the alto part. Um, and, you know, so it's like, I would do things like that. And then we started doing some more skits. Like they did a medley that was like a, a, a choral version medley of a whole bunch of hip hop songs before I got in the group. But then when I was there, we started doing a little bit more stuff like that a little bit more frequently. So we did like, I did a, a like a, what I called a middle school medley, which was um, 90s songs to date. Uh, and um, like a Lady Gaga medley. And then we did, and then I did do a mashup of Bye 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 and um, I Want It That Way. Uh, so, you know, like as a skit. So we did these kinds of things like skits. And I always put in mashups into those. Um, but the, for, the, for, the, for the most part, our arrangements didn't have them. Um, but mashups are fun. So did and then you that's guys, when I started my channel after that. Did your group go to competitions and things like that? We did not do ICCAs. Um, the boys and the girls groups at my school did. Um, we did not. Uh, and that was something that was sort of a stance for the group before I was in it. And we decided to keep because it was just like, we don't want the stress of competing. Yeah. Um, but my group, after we left, I forget how many years after, but they started doing ICCAs. Um, and what's interesting is this movie gives a lot of hate on like everybody, like doing the same song, but it's like, for the most part, 
at least at least during that point, at least then when I was in school, groups would have an ICCA set, you know, much like bring it on, much like cheer. It's like you have a routine and they judge you yeah, not you, you don't want, doesn't you have to be about it. like you're showing us a new thing every time we see you. Right. It's like you you make a new set each year. But it's like you have a set and maybe you'll make some tweaks or changes between performances. But like you're judged on the quality of the set doesn't right. have to be new songs every time because there are like regionals and the nationals. And, you know, um, so that was one of the things where it was like, I get why they're changing that a little bit for the, for um, for this. But yeah, yeah it, it is more interesting as, you know, a movie audience to see a different song every time they perform. Yeah. But, you know, in real life, it makes more sense to have the one thing that you practice over and over again and keep improving upon that instead of yeah. changing things up and having a new thing to have to learn. Yeah. So it'll be like Eurovision song contest. It, it does. Like ICCA's feels a lot more like Eurovision format, actually, <laughs> from again. But this is, uh, you know, you. please right. stop me if you've done ICCA's in the past 10 years and I'm, I'm spouting lies, <laughs> but like at the time it was like, you have a set, you know? And so the boys groups and the girls groups in their concerts, they would do their ICCA set. Usually um, sometimes they break it up. Sometimes it was it, you like, they wouldn't announce it. This is our set, but you could tell that they were doing their ICCA, ICCA set because all of a sudden there would be a lot of choreography. And then like, cause like sometimes the, the groups would do choreography. We never did choreography. Um, but they would do choreography all of a sudden, but it was like only a third of their concert was choreographed. So it's like, oh, I see, I see that. I see what you're doing, um, oh. which is fine. Um, we never did, again, we never did choreography and probably should have, um, <laughs> but yeah. No, we were much more like the indie band. Um, that's how the group thought of themselves. You know, it was like alt rock. Like we did a lot of alt rock stuff and we did nothing traditional um, for a long time. So you were, you were the indie band. I was the group. I, I was the, I was in the group that was focused more on choreography than, uh, cause yeah. it was, show, it was a show choir of sorts. Our name, <laughs> our name was vocal point. <laughs> I, I did love the names of the groups in this movie. It's like oh, there are some amazing Cycles ones. Is my favorite personally from the movies. Is yeah. that one of the ones? Yeah, uh, Minstrel Cycles. That's the one that Elizabeth Banks says she was in in college. That's right, Minstrel Cycles, and that is perfect, perfect name. Um, my new favorite one that I don't think I remember hearing when I saw the movie the first time was the Indian group in uh, Worlds, which was nonstop. I think oh. that's great. <laughs> I loved that. I, I do um, love though that in the second movie they incorporated um like pentatonics, mm -hmm. the philharmonics. Um wasn't on the rocks in there or am I making uh, it I up? think that I think they were there too. Yeah. Like they they actually incorporated other groups that are now were are now probably popular because of the first movie and everything. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, I think so. And I mean, also, again, because they were, you know, they had the sing-off to capitalize off, like, the following that that had started, started yeah. to build. Um, I mean, I recognized a few of the people in these movies. Uh, the tall blonde we were talking about, who might be Jessica and might be Ashley, she was on the sing-off in, I think, two different groups on that show. Um, and Go back I, to listen to our episode 10, where we compare yeah. Pitch Perfect to Eurovision Song Contest, the story of Fire <laughs> Saga. It's definitely one of Shady's facts. 
I know that. It is. I I don't have it right in front of me, which is why I'm not reciting it perfectly now. Or is it my fact? No, you you say it at some point. You did Eurovision. I did Pitch Perfect for special features for that one because you talked about Eurovision. Oh, I did. (laughs) (laughs) I did, but you, you ended up talking about Iceland a lot. Yeah. Yeah, um, because I went there one time, so I don't shut up about it. It's a, it was a good movie, but I haven't <laughs> been to Iceland. Um, Iceland, it's great. Let's see if there's anything hey, else. Hey, Iceland Tourism Board, hire me. Hire we, us. We're great. We like money. Yeah. I'll come. Um, we're still go. We're still going to Vermont, right, guys? Like, I'm I'm planning on it. Yeah. We're still going to the the Von Trapp family ski lodge or whatever it's called. Yeah, I want to okay. do it, and I want to go by. to to the Ben and Jerry's. I would like to it's shake hands. The with they're ben fifteen and minutes Jerry's. apart drive, so it's a it it'll be a lovely one day excursion to hit that and a bunch of other things. Uh, oh oh, Vermont Tourism Board, hire me. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm trying to see if there's anything else that I was thinking about other than thinking that like. I love naming. I mean, this is this is a total tangent before I get back to Pitch Perfect, but like, I love naming things. In fact, if that could be my job, like, like whatever that job is, let me know because I want to do like naming, just giving you the name for a group, a site, a, a whatever. So anyway, they they missed out, I think, because it's like when you have sequels where it's just like you know, Pitch Perfect, Pitch Perfect Two, Pitch Perfect Three, you know, same thing with like Taken, Taken, you know, and it's like Taken Two, and it should be. You know, to get on that train, it should be, you know, taken and then taken two, you know, and it would, it should be, look who's taken two. And then you should have taken three, <laughs> taken aback, you know, and taken four, taken for granted. Like, why are they not doing okay. these things? Taken, taken for <laughs> granted. Hey. Right, taken for granted. And taken three is, to you know, fair, like I said, taken three is stylized as tack three in. Where the E yeah. is the three. So yeah. I always call it Tack Green. But wouldn't you rather pay money to go see Taken Aback? That's um, true. I do regret so, the money that I spent to yeah. see Taken 3, which I did spend. Oh. <laughs> um, well, I was thinking that Pitch Perfect 3 would be uh, Pitch Perfect 3 Daddy Issues, um, because that is basically what <laughs> Pitch Perfect 3 is about yeah. um, in a very literal way. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I mean, other little other little features, it, it is to impress upon people that like a lot of... <laughs> It's just like, that's what I want to impart because like when I watched, especially the first one, but all of them, it really is just like, all of this is so true. It's almost not even exaggerated. Like the riff off kind of thing and the personalities and the naming and like, you know, what was, what was some of the other things um, that like, you know, everything is a competition, but like um, the weird sounds that people make what was the thing? There was something else. Oh, oh yeah. And every year you have the first gig where it you suck. And it's like, we shouldn't be performing this early. Every, you know, it's like last year, last year we sucked. We did this a week, uh, you know, like a week and a half into the year. This year will be different. And it never is, you know, unless you have those years where you have, it's like you have most of the group carrying over. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, and if there's anybody who's listening to this who is starting an acapella group who is in school, this is a word of warning. And if not, this is a retroactive warning to those of you who could have done this. You do not accept more than a couple of people from each year. <laughs> like you have to spread it out. My group is in the same boat where it's like, 
they when when I got in, there were like three or four freshmen that they added, and it was like fourteen people in the same year. And we only picked up a couple of other people as the years went on. It's like the, that next year because like one or two people dropped out. So my junior year, there were six of us or seven of us. I forget. Uh, I wish I, I wish I remembered. It was like seven of us who were left, which is like less than half the group. And you are sort of left going, oh, and that's, you know, what, you know, we don't see that movie happen <laughs> because that would be the pitch per- perfect 2.5 where okay. Hayley Steinfeld the next year is going, shit, it's me. <laughs> I am, I am Bella's, you know, and it's like she auditioned and replaced the group because remember the year before it was all seniors and yeah. Haley Steinfeld. So it's like, that is a, a real terrible thing that can happen. And yeah, my advice is only, never do it. There's only one other character who's in Pitch Perfect 2 and wasn't in Pitch Perfect 1. And that is... Um, the Latina girl, yeah, who, whose entire <laughs> character is that she's the Latina, right? Exactly. Who replaces another unnamed yeah. person, the one that was dating um, Esther Dean, yeah. Character. Yeah. So, and and I don't think they ever confirm whether she's the same year as the other girls, but she's clearly at least a year older than Haley Steinfeld. She's she's um, a senior. Yeah, she's she's she has the cap and at the gown. end with the cap and gown. Oh, okay. Yeah, they're all in that same year. So it's just like, oh. And that's how they got into the situation in the first one, too, because Aubrey and Chloe were the only ones who weren't seniors the year before. So then they were the only ones left. Right. And they picked all freshmen instead of picking like a mix. But anyway. Right. So you think that they would have learned, but, you know. And then even Chloe is only there in Pitch Perfect, too, because she purposely stayed behind a few years to stay a Bella. You gotta remember, Baloney Barb would not audition for them. She was in a she 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 didn't have a bikini ready body. Can I talk about the Packers? Oh right, right. Shady needs to talk about the Packers. All right, this bothers me. First of all, I'm gonna talk about. I I think this cameo is delightful. Uh, like Nick said, they did their own singing. They did their own like. They are they are professional athletes. They are fucking ready for anything. Uh, uh, I, I did read an article about how they got that cameo and David Bechtieri, <laughs> uh, who is one of the featured Packers in that scene. And John, you can look him up. He's the one you said was hot. Ooh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening, David. Mm-hmm. <laughs> David, what's up? He's still, he's still in the NFL. So, you know, hey. he's still making the big bucks. Um, Say his last name one more time. Bechtieri. It's B-A-K-H-T-I-A-R-I. Got it. Okay. Is he on Instagram? (laughs) Anyway, so apparently, I mean, this movie is very pop, like this franchise is very popular with guys, uh, which, you know, going back to what we were saying before about how it's very bro type of humor, it's just like hot girls saying it instead of guys. Uh, is very popular with jocks and frat boys and people who you would not expect this type of movie to be popular with. On top of that, there's this whole thing with professional athletes, and it's part of why I love professional sports, is that it is a form of theater, performing sports in and of itself. But also you get this, very, especially with football and basketball players, you get this very distinct idea that most of them would love nothing more than to be 
different types of performers themselves that they would love to be comedians or be musicians or something. Uh, you see this when they do like their touchdown dances and everything. They take them very seriously and they're clearly having a lot of fun with them. Um, so it's not that surprising to learn that David Bechtieri got in touch with the producers of Pitch Perfect and said, hey, a bunch of the guys on the team really, really, really want to be in Pitch Perfect too, which we heard you're making. Can you get us in there? And Elizabeth Thanks was like, and her husband, who are the producers of these movies, they were like, yeah, that'd be great. Uh, Kay Cannon, who wrote all of the movies, is a Chicago native and a lifetime fan of the Chicago Bears. And fun fact about the Green Bay Packers and the Chicago Bears, the two oldest teams in the NFL, they have the oldest rivalry in football. They hate each other. Uh, their rivalry literally goes back further than when the NFL was actually founded. They have been rivals for over a hundred years. So Kay Cannon was like, no, they are not gonna, they are not gonna be in my movie. I will not have Green Bay Packers in my movie. Um, but unfortunately, screenwriters get very little control in Hollywood. So she was roundly overruled. Um, but she has said that she thinks the movie is better because of the cameos and she did really like writing that scene for them. Um, but they did, they rehearsed, hold on, the actual quote from Bakhtiari was, if you put us in the sequel, we will practice, we will rehearse, we'll take it as serious, we will take it as a serious thing. We're athletes, this is what we do, we'll really work at it. And by all accounts, they did. So here's what I find very interesting about this scene. Here is who they have playing the Green Bay Packers in that scene. Clay Matthews, who at the time was probably the second most famous Packer, and he's still very famous. He's just retired. I think he's retired now. He doesn't play for the Packers anymore. David Bactieri, who is right now one of the most well-known Packers. Don Barkley, Josh Sitton, TJ Lang, and Jordan Rogers. Here's what's important about the Jordan Rogers thing. Jordan Rogers has never played for the Green Bay Packers. Jordan Rogers barely made it into the NFL and has never made it onto an actual NFL roster. Jordan Rogers just happens to be the younger brother of Aaron Rogers, who is the quarterback for the Green Bay Packers. So I'm very confused because I can't find a story on this, but it feels like they really wanted Aaron Rodgers in this movie, right? Why wouldn't you? He was, at the time and to this day, he just won MVP. He is one of the most well-known players in the NFL. Why don't you have him in this movie? Why do you have his little brother who isn't half as good as he is, who barely made it into the NFL and has never made it onto an actual team, let alone ever been associated with the Green Bay Packers? I'm very interested in this. Why huh. couldn't you get Aaron Rodgers? Why did Aaron Rodgers say no? Because well, and also, why would you then get Jordan Rogers like that? Because it's like I can understand Aaron Rodgers saying no and right. not getting him, right? And then like getting someone to be a stand-in for him just in case he says yes, they can use his name. And it even makes sense to use his brother for that, but then using his yeah, it, it's just such a specific thing that almost it's like in the you know in the fantasy gossip you know, story that, you know, I'm writing, you know, it's like fan fiction. It's like fan, fan, <laughs> fan gossip. Is that a thing? Um, fantasy gossip um, that it would be that they did it specifically to piss him off. And like, that seems like a, a weird choice given that they are his teammates. You know, right. it's like, can I just I say, I'm so happy we're finally recording this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that rant from Shady 
every time we bring up this episode, she's just like, <laughs> let me tell you about the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> I'm confused as to why I care this much about this scene. Who's the host of that of that riff off? David oh, that's Cross. David Cross. David Cross. Yeah. On that scooter. <laughs> it felt it felt very much um like boogie nights with like anytime you see Alfred Molina. I'm like, yep. Ah, uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> anyway, let's get to final thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they can handle this. I don't think you're ready for this jelly. I don't think you're ready for this jelly. I don't think you're ready for this because my body's super delicious for your pain. I don't think you're ready for this jelly. I don't think you're ready for this jelly. All right, moving along to final thoughts where we ask some variation of the same questions every episode. Let's do it. (laughs) Our first question Did we like this franchise as a whole? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're entertaining. Um, I'm going to be honest. I'm not crazy about the last two. I really like the first one, though. But, like, I don't hate the last two. I just had seen each of them once before doing this rewatch. And that's kind of fine. What is our ranking order for these movies? John, you can go first if you'd like. One, two, three. One, two, three. Nick? Um... It's interesting. I think before my rewatch, it was one, two, three. And then after the rewatch, maybe just because the third one has the highest component, it's almost one, three, two. Um, but oh. but I only <laughs> felt that way at this rewatch. Before that, it was one, two, three. No, I, I, I would say one, three, two, just because the third one at least tried something different. And the yeah. second one is just sort of like, let's do the first one, but beefed up. But I like Flula, Flula Borg. I do like Flula. And I like, I like Clay Matthews. And I like, what's her name that plays like opposite Flula, you know, and the fact that uh, Becca tries to like hate on her and she's just like, I love you. You're beautiful. like cinnamon. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I'd say that the second one has some of the best jokes in the franchise, but the movie on its own is not the best. So I would, I think I would go with my one, three, two, but there are some of the funniest lines happen in that second movie. I, I want to say like three probably has like the best music because you have not Free just toxic. You've got toxic, of course, free Brit, hashtag free Britney, <laughs> but um, you have now other genres besides acapella. So, yeah, yeah. I, I, I really like, like, I like all of the riff offs, but I think the third one is my favorite just because I think, I do think it's really funny when the other bands are just like, ha, 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 we're playing our instruments. Fuck when you guys. they right. fucking sing zombie. Mm. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So our next question, would we watch these movies again? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sure, why not? But Shady, yeah. you wouldn't go out of your way to watch two and three, right? No, I wouldn't go out of my way. But like, if they were on, sure. They're like, you know, hangover movies, or like, yeah. if like I'm, <laughs> if we're hanging out and you're like, oh man, I really want to watch Pitch Perfect too. I wouldn't be like, we're not friends anymore. 
I'd be like, okay, I'm going to be like on my phone for part of the movie, but that's fine. So uh, it's going to be fine. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, our last question. Are these movies actually the same? Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> We really didn't do our normal episode in this. We were just like, yeah, they're the same, but let's talk about other things anyway. <laughs> yeah, no, the, the third one really is the one that comes closest to doing something different, but it's mostly the same anyway. Like it still fit in that three, that competition storyline. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like there, there are, um, like we said, they're, they're not a joke really in the third one. Everyone was all for it until Taps played, which, you know, boner killer, but whatever. <laughs> I went there. <laughs> Don't hate me, everyone. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> oh, do we have any other final thoughts we just want to get out of the way? Pitch Perfect 4 Intergalactic Competition. That's all I'm going to say. Come on, like you—you you have the, the the singers from Venus singing Venus. Come on, they it's could do a mashup of the one from the '60s and the one from the '80s. Well, I'm your Venus, your desire, because they gotta include their alien language. Oh, I get it. Okay, it makes yeah. sense now. <laughs> Not that I didn't know the line because I knew the line, but right. they have to include the alien language. Right. But could they also do a mashup with the Lady Gaga song? They could do anything they want. Sky's the limit. Great. There aren't enough songs about like Saturn. We'll find something. <laughs> or like Mercury. We'll mix up out. Something about <laughs> planet sweet. Uh, Mars bringer of war. <laughs> Jupiter. Oh. Wait, Mars could be the all boy group and Venus could be all the girl the all girl group because men are from Mars, women are from Venus. And then Jupiter is all daddies. Yeah. <laughs> all Jupiter tall. is all bases. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I think we've we've gone far enough now. <laughs> Elizabeth Banks, call us. Uh, <laughs> We're ready. We've got the script ready. So I think that wraps it up for this week's episode. Uh, before we go, Nick, do you have anything anything new you want to plug? Um, what am I even doing? Monday Mesh you know, on YouTube. <laughs> no, I mean, yes, you can, yes, go check that out. Um, there hasn't been anything new on there in 10 years um, because I stopped doing it and then I never started again. But I've been thinking about them. I have thoughts in my head. I'm not going to say them out loud. But if I started making them again, I do now know what my first couple of them would be. Um, you need a collab. I'm doing nothing. Are you? Have you learned how to beatbox or... I can try. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, no. Uh, no. Uh, nothing. Nothing to to plug as of yet. How about um, your your socials? Oh yeah. I mean, is uh, I mean, it's my name for pretty much everything. Um, <laughs> so you can put that in the show notes. 
Yes. Um, but yeah, then the the YouTube channel you can you can check that out for sure. Um, Which are gonna make YouTube I'm just famous. like you know to answer this in a really human way. I'm just doing a lot of readings right now. Um, I am revising some children's plays that I wrote. This is way off topic, but um, for probably for publication at some point. Um, so, Ooh. but no news on that yet. So, because I need to, you know, finish editing them again. So, um, but yeah, that money. That is really passive income is the new thing. Yeah. So, that's very fun and exciting. John, do you have anything you want to plug? Oh, I've got another podcast. Nick hasn't been on it yet. I keep trying to get him on, and he's just like, I still need a a full list of what everybody's done. So, because all I can think of are things that have been done already. People, okay, okay, I'll send it. I'll send it to you. It's, but I did kind of, it's kind of grown. (laughs) That's fine, as things do. That's good. Yeah. I did help with the theme song on that one, though. That's, he did. I'm know. singing on it. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I had to talk him into that, too. I, I tricked him because it was like, <laughs> we'll write this. So he kind of, he gave me, you know, lyrics and like a, a tune, flesh it out, send it back to him. I was like, just record something. Just like, just like lay it down. And then he's <laughs> like, yeah, but you can sing it if if we want to. Right. I was like, yeah, let's just record it. And then I put his track in and like, you know, lay down a couple of harmonies and sent it back. And I was like, this is what we're going to do. And he was like, well, and then I tricked him. So. I love that because I, I, I do listen to the podcast. I've been listening to it and except for my episode, I skipped over that one. <laughs> um, but uh, I get so happy every time I hear John singing. So now <laughs> Isn't I get it nice to have it be him, you know, yeah. and then like you're welcomed into his neighborhood in his little living room. Just like Mr. Yeah. Rogers. Yeah. I love it so much. And so like, it, I, lo- I love when my friends are talented and like, I love hearing John being talented. So it makes me happy. So it's a bi-weekly podcast called Life's But a Song. Um, I'll probably add it in the show notes for this one. Huh. Yeah. And you can also find me on Twitter at John, at, at Movies John, where sometimes I tweet things. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes I just tweet things at Shady just because... <laughs> It's a very reliable way to get in contact with me because I'm <laughs> almost never not on Twitter. Uh, you can find me at Cookie O'Shady. Do you have uh, a cookie of, of preference today, Shady? I I do. Today I'm a Thin Mint um, because I, I was trying to do a play off of Fat Amy and I couldn't think of any. She's my favorite. Uh, and I couldn't yeah, think of any movies. Ripa Wilson. Yeah. She's so great in these movies. And if you would like to follow the podcast, both John and I, uh, on any of our socials, uh, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Movie Deja Vu Pod. Our email is Movie Deja Vu Pod at gmail.com. That's M O V I E D E J A V U P O D at gmail.com. And then on Twitter, we are at Movie Deja Vu No Pod. Why, John? Because Das Sound Machine is holding on to them, onto the pod. Oh, those devious Germans! They should have won. I agree with you. Like they had a better, they had a better set. It just there was so much drama, like in their set. It was great. <sighs> yes. <laughs> but then we're gonna be taking a little bit of a break, guys. Um, yeah, unfortunate. You know, call, call it like a season, call this one like the season finale, if you will. But then we're coming back strong. Yeah, in June, we're gonna be doing 
a franchise. <laughs> We're going to be comparing franchises that's going to be five weeks long yeah and we're starting a lot of movies a lot of movies it was what like 20 movies or something, something like, like that? that yeah which so franchise is this so we're doing two franchises oh i see okay. friday the 13th versus a nightmare on elm street and we're starting uh when we come back in june we're starting with friday the 13th franchise part one so <laughs> stay tuned <laughs> it's very exciting and also very daunting we watched a lot of movies <coughs> we did i have i have like 40 pages of notes just friday the 13th i have like two pages of notes and uh that's a lot for me <laughs> so hopefully you guys will Keep on, remember to rate, subscribe, whatever, yeah. write a review, do all that. You can request an episode if you'd like. We'll give you a shout out. Yes, we have a few of those coming up in the, um, in the future. Yeah. Uh, so, yes. So, guys, let's go to the ICCAs and sing our hearts out. All right? Can I be the beatboxer? Of course. Sure. We wouldn't have it any other way. Baby, can't you see I'm calling in?